we've been in a series uh, called A New Humanity, and we've really been talking about Jesus' vision for what it means to be human, and Jesus' vision uh, for God throughout this entire series. Um, just to take us back, because some of you are new, even as I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, that's, you're new, you're new, you're new, okay. Um, the ser- this series in the New Humanities going through Jesus' sermon that was on a mountainside in Galilee 2,000 years ago, uh, a mountainside that I was at one of the alleged locations. We don't actually know uh, exactly where it took place, but I will tell you when I was at that location, when I was there and I heard the Sermon on the Mount read in uh, full, I had a real encounter with Jesus uh, where I felt like he was inviting me once again to follow him, to be his disciple, to learn from him. And that's what we're doing in this series is that we are once again looking at the words of Jesus and considering them. We're looking at the teachings of Jesus and we're seeing how they can be applied to our life. Jesus, through this sermon, is inviting you and me and us to follow his new ways of living and being and acting and, and new ways of seeing God. Uh, and, uh, and so we have been in this series for months now, okay? So you've missed a lot of the sermon, but today's sermon focuses in on this area of prayer. This is not the first time that Jesus has spoken about prayer. We already saw him talking about uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, which many of you maybe learned growing up or have heard before. Uh, and he gave us some instructions about how not to pray and how to pray. Uh, and, but today, it feels like he's just putting, you know, it's kind of a concluding thought when it comes to prayer. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to stir us up He's trying to encourage us in our prayer life. He's trying to give us great faith that when we ask our Father for good things, that he will give it to us. Uh, and so, um, why don't we just jump straight into it? If you're willing, if you're able, can you stand as we read God's word? It's found in Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 7 and see what Jesus has to say to us this morning. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. It says this, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask them? God, I, uh, I pray today that you would encourage us and you would speak to us through these words. That you would help us to understand what they mean. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We want to learn from you, Jesus, once again. I pray these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. What an incredible promise. Like the audacity of Jesus' words in this text. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. If you do these things, you will receive them. You will find them. The door will be open to you. Why? Because you have a good father who gives good gifts. Jesus makes this incredible promise that if we ask God for good gifts, he will give them to us because he is a good Father, 
This is the vision of reality he's trying to impart to his followers. Our God is a heavenly father who gives good gifts to his kids. And we can see this why. Obviously, he calls him a heavenly father, but he also uses this illustration or this parable of parents. He says, parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Parents, let me ask you, if your children ask you for a piece of toast, do you give them a piece of cardboard? No. Oh, that was really concerning, actually. <laughs> Amy, we have a lot of work to do. Um, but uh, if your kids ask for a bowl of Cheerios, do you give them a bowl of rocks? No. no? Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm less concerned, right? This is what he's doing for us right now. He's, he's giving this example of something lesser in order to point to something greater. He's saying, if you parents who are, and this might be offensive to some of you, but it is the view of Scripture of humanity, sinful meaning you have missed the mark of God's perfect ideal. If you parents can give good things to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He is painting a picture of a God who wants to give good gifts because he is a good father. He is a good father. Now, I want you to remember something. Jesus' audience those who were listening to him in that day, in that time, on that hillside in Galilee, this would have been, a, for, for many of them, a new view of who God was. For many of us in the Western world and in a post-Christian society, the idea of God as father is kind of like a common thought. But to them, as they would have been hearing this, many of them coming from pagan backgrounds or Gentile backgrounds or perhaps the Romans or the Greeks, they have very different ideas about who God is. To them, and to some of them, God was more of a divine overlord who was temperamental and needy and angry and vindictive and merciless, demanding sacrifices and ceremonies. And he was unpredictable. This was for many of them, their view of God. And now Jesus arrives on the scene and he starts to talk about his God differently. A God who cares. Do you remember a couple weeks ago uh, when we were going through Jesus' talk on the fact that we're not called to be worried? He says, look at the flowers, look at the birds. Our heavenly father cares for them. You see, Jesus is painting a new picture of what God is like. A God who provides how much more will he take care of you? And now we see it once again. He gives this example. If parents, you gave good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father provide for you? This is the, paint, the picture that Jesus is painting for those who are listening. And this is a new concept for some of them. This is a new idea. Especially this idea that God is father. God is father. This word father is important. Um, when Jesus uses this word father, it's not father, right? Like, which is kind of funny. It's actually interesting. Uh, Emmy, for whatever reason, instead of calling Jessica like mommy or mama, she's like, lately it's been like mother, right? Like, which sounds like very profound and, you know, put together. This isn't what Jesus, this isn't the word that Jesus is using. Uh, in fact, and many of you heard this before, but he would have been using the Aramaic word Abba or the Hebrew word Abba. Uh, which is the equivalent of dada or papa or daddy. These are child, this is a childlike name or the name a child gives and ascribes to their father. Jesus is using names that babies and toddlers and children use 
for their father, even to this day. I remember being in Israel, and when I was there, hearing kids call out to their father saying, Abba, Abba. Many dads in the room, we can recall when our children looked at us and said, Dada, for the first time. Or maybe if, uh, if, maybe if you're Mandarin or Farsi speakers, you can remember Baba, right? Or Korean speakers, Appa, right? Uh, or Latino, Papa, right? Tagalog, te, uh, Tata, Tate, Tatai. There we go. Thank you. And if I mispronounce any of those, I apologize. I probably did. But, but this, is what, this is the kind of name that Jesus is ascribing to his father. And this is the picture he's painting for us. A God who is our dad. A God who is our heavenly dada. (laughs) I want you to let that sink in for a moment. It's a radical shift in how to address God. Even amongst the Jews who were a praying people and and, and a praying nation, if you look through all of their recorded prayers, and all their literature on prayer, which I'm telling you is endless, okay? It's, there's a, a lot. In none of those places do they instruct us to address God in this way until Jesus. This is a new, new and like mind-bending way of thinking about who God is for many of the listeners that day. And perhaps it's a new way for you to think about God. A good heavenly father who provides good things for his kids. Wow. A God who is available to us. Look at the way Jesus says we can approach him. Keep on asking, you'll receive. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus is painting a picture of, of a God who is accessible, who is available, who is longing to say yes. I remember when I first started working at uh, CA Church, Pastor Mark Francisco, who was our senior pastor before Sam Romine, uh, when I first started walking there, he would often say to me, hey, listen, you got any questions? Just ask, all right? Yeah, if there's anything on your mind, just come on by. You know, just come on up to my office, just knock on the door, right? And when, I, when he first said that to me, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, he's probably just saying that. But then he kept saying it to me, right? Hey, just, just ask, you know, hey, if you ever need anything, just ask. Hey, if you know, there's, there's an, a new idea or a new project you want to do, come on up, ask me about it. And so about a, a, a couple years in, I started taking him up on this. I would just come by his office, I'd knock on the door, and he would always say, come on in, right? Like he was waiting for me, right? I'd walk in the door and, it, and, and no matter what he was doing, whether he was working on a sermon or in the middle of an email, it felt like he would drop anything at a dime to just spend time to answer questions, uh, you know, to, to, to give resources. Just knock, come on in. I think Mark is a lot like God in that way. God is a God who is just like, just, hey, just ask. Hey, just seek me out. Just knock. Come on in. The door will be open to you. This is the picture that Jesus is painting for us. It's a new vision of the Father who is waiting for our requests and arrival. He isn't like the boss who always says no or is never around 
or is always busy. He is an ask you'll receive, seek you will find, knock and the door will be open to you kind of God. Now some of you, um, you didn't have great earthly fathers or examples, spiritual fathers like Mark. And so this vision of the father is hard for you to imagine, a dad like that. Really? But Jesus says he does have a dad like that who can be your heavenly father as well. Jesus is inviting you into to share a similar relationship with the father that he has. Jesus is welcoming you into the family so you can access the father. Jesus is giving you a new vision. He's asking his followers that we would adopt it as our own. And in response, we would ask God, our Father, for the good things we need. Simple as that. <laughs> and so, does it end there, though? I don't think it does. Because experientially, this doesn't add up for many of us, right? Experientially, Although we could all bear witness, and I, I'm, honestly, I believe this, we could spend hours bearing witness to the ways in which God has provided for us and the ways in which God has done great things as we sung about, and we could just share testimony after testimony after testimony. I could, I could spend the next 30 minutes doing that for you, telling you stories of the great things of God have done. But I think for many of us, when we hear this picture of God, we then put it upon our experiences and we say, but something doesn't add up here. Because many of us have come to God and we've cried out to him and we've asked him for things. And it seems like he's not there. And it seems like he is not this heavenly father who's sitting on the edge of his seat waiting to give us what we ask for. It seems like Jesus' picture of God is perhaps overly optimistic. Or it seems like you know, perhaps maybe Jesus uh, just has like a particular relationship with the Father that we don't have. But thankfully, Jesus and the other authors of Scripture have commentated and given us insight into this very problem. They've given us more than just this text when it comes to prayer. And, and I believe some of these insights might be helpful for us today as we're considering why is it that maybe God isn't hearing my prayers or my, maybe why is it that God maybe isn't responding in the way that Jesus said he will. The first thing that you might want to consider is this. Uh, and it's a question. It's are you right with God? Are you right with God? In 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 12, it says this. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and he opens his ears and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Peter is, what he's telling us is this, is that those who are right with God, it, it says that the eyes of the Lord are on those who are right with him, those who are in right relationship with him. His ears are open to them. Peter says that if we are right with God, God will hear us. And so a question I have for you this morning, maybe it, it might be the solution. I'm not saying it's the reason, but perhaps you need to get right with God. Now, getting right with God is not, you know, it's not an endless goose chase, you know, without a goose. It's not just this like 
oh, lifelong, agonizing, you know, experience of trying to earn God's affection and love and grace. Being right with God is as simple as coming to him and saying, God, would you forgive me for this? God, I, I want to know you. God, would you, would you make me right? And in that moment, in a deeply spiritual and profound way, God grants those who ask him righteousness. God justifies us. God forgives us. And so when I say, are you right with God? I, I'm not asking that you would chase after religion, but rather relationship. Seek him and you will find him. The second thing to wonder, maybe if, if your prayers are not being answered, is this. Are you accessing God through Jesus? Are you accessing God through Jesus? In John chapter 14, verse 13, Jesus says, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. There's something about asking for things in Jesus' name. Jesus is our mediator. Jesus stands between us and God. It is through Jesus that we actually have access to the Father. Hebrews puts it this way in chapter four, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us come boldly to the throne of grace and there we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it the most. It is through Jesus, our high priest, that we have access to God, the good Father. And so, the, the instruction, the simple instruction here is this, is that are you praying through Jesus? Are you accessing the Father through Jesus? This is why we pray in his name. It is through Jesus that we have access to the Father. Well, this got me thinking of uh, actually a little video that is found in the Alpha series, the Alpha film series, uh, and uh, where it tells a story of a soldier who wanted to talk to the president but couldn't get access until he met his son. So we'll play that video now. I think it'll help us understand. Through Jesus' death on the cross, the partition, the barrier of sin has been removed and we have access to God. It's through Jesus the Son that we have access to God the Father. A young soldier fighting for the Union Army in the American Civil War lost both his father and his brother in the fighting. He needed to return to his family's home and help his sister and elderly mother with the spring planting on their farm. And so he went to Washington DC to ask the president for exemption from military service. When he arrived in Washington, he walked straight up to the doors of the White House and asked to speak directly with the president. A young official standing guard told him, you can't see the president. The president's far too busy to see you. Get back out there and fight like you're supposed to. So the young soldier left the White House not knowing how he would break the bad news to his family. As he was sitting on a nearby park bench, a young boy came up to him and said, why are you so unhappy? What's wrong? The soldier looked at the boy and began to pour out his heart. He told the child that since his father and brother had been killed, he was the only man left in his family. He was desperately needed back at the farm and the only person who could make it possible was the president himself. The little boy said simply, come with me. Taking him by the hand, the boy led the soldier back around to the White House. They walked through the back door, past the guards, past the generals, past the high-ranking government officials until they got to the president's office. The little boy didn't even knock on the door. He just opened it and walked in. 
there, standing behind the desk, studying battle plans with the Secretary of State was President Abraham Lincoln. The president looked up and said, Oh, what can I do for you, Tad? The little boy replied, Dad, this man needs to talk to you. Uh, we gain access to God the Father through the Son. You get it? It's actually through Jesus that we can go boldly into the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. And so, second thing to consider, perhaps the reason that it feels like God is not hearing you is because you're not going through Jesus. It is through Jesus that we gain access. Third thing to consider, what are your motives? Or are your motives right? James, uh, the brother of Jesus, refers to this passage on two occasions and echoes Jesus in, in his letter. He says this, you don't have what you want because you don't ask for it. So the first thing he points out is this, is that perhaps the reason why we're not receiving is because we haven't asked, which really aligns with Jesus' thought in the Sermon on the Mount, ask and you will receive. But then the second thing he says this, and he asks us to check our motives. He says, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what gives you pleasure. And so what James is telling us is this, is that if our requests are self-oriented or simply for our pleasure, perhaps our motives are wrong and therefore our requests do not move the heart of God. If you're not getting what you asked for, maybe pray the words of Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my ways. Reveal if there is any grievous way within me. I know I've done that in the past, and as I've sought God, God, why won't you give me this thing, this desire of my heart? And then actually submitting that before God and asking him if my motives are right, and him revealing that I was just in it for myself, or I just want that for my own glory, or just whatever it might be. James says, if your motives are wrong, you, you won't get what you ask for. Fourth, something to consider, does what I have asked for please God? Please God. It's, a sim it's similar. In, in 1 John uh, chapter 5, verse 14, he says this, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. So God's ears are wide open when it is that we're making requests for things that please him. But when we ask for things that do not please him, his ears are shut to us. He says, since and since we know he hears us when we make a request, we also know that he will give us what we've asked for. So John is just as confident of Jesus' vision of God. But he does put this one caveat. That is what we are asking for. Does this actually please God? Does it please God? How do we know if something pleases God? Well, one of the questions we can ask is that does what we are asking for align with his word, what he has said is good and true and right. And if it doesn't, then it's pretty obvious that it doesn't please God. A fifth thing to consider, there's seven, okay? So it's okay, we're, we're almost there. Fifth, fifth thing to consider, the faith factor. 
In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus says this, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. And so we see that faith does matter, that our faith and our, which faith is just another way of saying trust, our trust in God actually does matter. We can't just simply ask him for something, but not really believe he's going to do it. And that will move the heart of God. But he says, if you ask anything, if you pray for anything and, and you have faith, you will receive it. So faith is a part of this equation as well. Our faith matters. And it's possible that our faith actually influences God. James actually expands on this thought. So this isn't just a one-off thought found, you know, somewhere in the scriptures and I'm cherry-picking a verse. But James also says this as well. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with a divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And so, so James is confident that God will give generously good things like wisdom to those who ask for it. But he talks about being sure that our faith is in God alone. And he says, if it isn't, that we actually should expect nothing. I think this is a, a good word for us, uh, especially in the West, because I think that many of us, we have faith in God, but we're also placing faith in ourselves. We have faith in God, but we're also placing faith in our government. We have faith in, uh, you know, in God, but we also believe that you know, maybe if I work hard enough, or I do this, or I go here, or I talk to this person, we, we place our faith in a lot of other things because we have endless access to resources and opportunities all around us. But what you'll notice when you go into more third world kind of context is that all they have is God. All they have is God. Him and him alone. God, if you do not come through, there is no doctor who is going to help me. God, if you do not come through, I will not, you know, get the money that is needed. God, it is you and you only. And I, I wonder, I'm just hypothesizing here, I'm not declaring it as true, but I wonder if that's why we see more miracles and hear more stories of God moving in miraculous and wonderful ways in these contexts because they are a people who have their faith solely in God, not this undivided loyalty between God and themselves, God and the world, but faith in God and God alone. But this still leaves us with a problem doesn't it? Why then do we as believers, when in faith, we cry out to God in Jesus' name and ask him for something that checks all the boxes, okay? Our motives are right. It seems like it pleases him. Why does God not move as we expect? Why does God not come through and give us that thing, that good gift that Jesus said he would give us if we just simply ask or seek or knock. Why? And I'll be honest, this question has bothered me. It has kept me up at night. It has caused me to cry out in frustration to God. God, why when I asked you know, for that lady who was sick to be healed, did you not move? And heal her. And God, you know, why when, I, when I, I prayed that you would provide for that person who was in dire need, did you not come through? And, and just 
I find myself, you know, rattling and asking him those questions. And so if you've got those questions, I've got them too. But I think the answer might be in this text. I think it might come down to our definition of good gifts. You see, Jesus promised he would give good gifts. He would give good gifts to those who ask. We see it in this text. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, you give them the stone. No, you give them the fish. Give them the snake instead. Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? The sixth question is that, is it truly good or is it truly what is best? This word here, good, is uh, the Greek word uh, agathos, and it means intrinsically good, good in nature, good whether it is seen to be so or not. So stay with me. Perhaps the reason why God doesn't give me some of the good things I ask for is that in his infinite, divine, and all-knowing wisdom, what I am not, what I'm asking for is not good or not best. And what he gives me instead is better in his perfect knowledge. And I don't think this is completely out of the question that this is actually a good answer to this problem. I'm not God, but I am a father. And Jesus uses a, an illustration of the father here. And here's my experience. There are times when uh, my my daughter, Emmy, she'll ask me for something that is good in category, but is not best for her in that situation, okay? And so here, here's an example. We'll, we'll sit down for dinner. Jessica or I have worked really hard to make something that is delicious and hopefully something that's balanced, nutritious, but also tastes good. And we put it in front of Emmy, and she says, ew, I, I don't like that. This isn't good. <laughs> There's times she won't even taste it, right? Because its appearance is not up to her standards. <laughs> she won't even touch it. And yet, me, here's me and Jessica enjoying this really amazing butter chicken that we've made, and to her it is revolting, all right? Just totally revolting. And here's what she'll do. She'll ask for something that is in the category of good, right? They, these are not bad things. They're good things. They're just not what we've given her, right? So can, well, can I have a banana? Can I have fishy crackers? Can I have a lollipop, right? Can I have ice cream? She'll ask for these various different things. Now, in that moment, being a good parent who gives good things to my kids, what do I do? Well, I don't always give her the thing that she's asking for. I give her what's for dinner, which is good. Now, she will likely squeal and cry and sometimes throw a temper tantrum or try and leave the table. She'll distort her face. She'll shed tears because she wants X instead of Y. Both are good, but what we are feeding her is better. And she doesn't realize that it's good for her at the time. Now, I have to believe maybe this is what's going on with God when we ask him for something that is categorically good and he doesn't give it to us, is that for whatever reason, what he is offering me is good and it is better for me somehow. In my limited understanding, I think I want a lollipop, <laughs> right? But pasta is what's gonna actually sustain me. 
I think of the garden, um, Adam and Eve, they could eat from every tree in the garden except for one. And interestingly, both the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil both looked good to the eyes, and yet they were told that they couldn't eat from one. So both look good and both look, it says good to the eyes and good for food. And yet the only thing that separated the two was what? God's word on the situation. That was it. Look at this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes, she took its fruit and ate it. And the result of this action is her eyes were opened to her nakedness. She hid from uh, her and uh, her husband Adam, hid from God. They were kicked out of the garden because of their rebellion and disobedience. Here's the point. Even things that look good are not always good. Sometimes the things that we think are good actually lead to our harm or our downfall and only separate us. And so the only thing that separates the two things that appear to be good is God's word, God's declaration of what is good. And I wonder if that's what's happening sometimes in these situations where it feels like we're asking God for a good thing and he doesn't give it to us. Is what he has given us better? Now, I understand some of you are rolling this argument over in your mind. You're like, okay, man, like, like sickness is not good, okay? Illness, difficulty, pain, suffering, these things are not good. So like, it, we're not talking about, you know, spaghetti bolognese versus, right, a banana. It's not the same thing. And, and I understand why you might be struggling with that. But here's the thing that the scriptures do make clear is that God sees some things that we see as bad as good, like in, including suffering. In fact, God says that suffering actually leads to good things. Suffering produces in us character and faith and hope. Suffering actually proves the genuineness of our faith. So sometimes it is possible that God allows us to suffer. God serves up on our platter something that seems revolting, something we say, ew, gross, give me something else. Because it is actually for our benefit. It is actually for our good. It is actually the best thing for us to refine us, to purify us, and, and to, to challenge us to trust God even in the midst of difficulty. Now maybe this doesn't satisfy you. Maybe some of you have experienced the pain of unanswered prayers. And you hear a text and a vision like the one that Jesus is giving us and you just think, Jesus, I, I just think you're off on this one. And what I want to invite you, those who are still struggling through this and maybe the answers haven't satisfied you, I think the purpose and the point is actually that it would push you towards pursuing God and seeking God and having conversations with God and working things out with him. The same way it has pushed me to pursue him and ask him questions, difficult questions, hard questions, to actually go before him and ask him. You know, when I struggle with that question, though, it's not long after that that I remember that the father gave the greatest gift of all, his one and only son. And that his son, Jesus, did not live a life filled with only blessing. 
And he also had unanswered prayers. Think of the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Father, if you can, would you take this cup from me? He says, but not my will, your will be done. See, even Jesus himself submitted himself to the will of the Father and trusted that what the Father was offering him was actually best and good. And then I think of the cross where my God in Jesus paid the penalty for my sin in order that I might know his love, forgiveness, mercy, and kindness. And then I consider the eternal life that he has promised me, a life where every need will be fully met and satisfied. And then I think about the reality that God has actually given me himself in the person of the Holy Spirit who has come and lived and dwelled within me and he's promised that he is with me always to the very end of my life and the very end of the age. As I begin to truly think about the good things that God has given me, even in light of the unanswered prayers, what I find myself is that I believe Jesus' vision Jesus' vision of a good father who cares for me, who loves me, who does give me good things, incredibly good things. And I can't fathom how I ever questioned his goodness when I begin to consider all that he has given me. You see, what I I think this text does for us is this, is it challenges us in our view of God as a good father, and then it challenges us to be a people who keep asking who keep asking. You'll see this in this text. He says, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Elsewhere, specifically in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a series of parables to help us grasp this principle of persistence or perseverance in prayer. He tells a one parable of a woman who wants justice and day after day she goes knocking on the door of the judge demanding justice and in the end this evil judge gives her justice and Jesus does this thing again. He goes, if the evil judge gave her justice, how much more will the Lord give to you? The promise of this parable in this text is this, is that if we persistently pursue a good God, if we keep asking, if we keep seeking, if we keep knocking, we will receive, we will find, the door will be open to us. And so this parable is a call for us to not give up on bringing our requests to God and our prayers before him. Maybe today's the day that you start asking again and seeking God again and give another round at knocking at the door. Could you imagine if we actually believed this, how it would change our lives? Imagine how it would change your prayer life. I have a good father who wants to give me good things if I ask. Imagine how it would change our post-service prayer times or our prayer walks in, in the city. I have a good dad And if I come and I pray to him, if I continually seek him, he will give me what is good. Imagine how it would change our reality. God is good. He cares for me. He gives me good things if I ask. Imagine how that would change maybe our mental health and our day-to-day. As we embrace more and more Jesus' vision of reality, we become more and more the new humanity. And this is what Jesus is offering us today when it comes to prayer. He's offering us once again 
to believe his vision of reality, that we have a good father who wants to give us good gifts if we come and ask him. And so here's what we're going to do now. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite up the band to conclude. And as I pray, I want to pray that God would help us today. Help us today to see him the way that Jesus sees him. Help us today to believe what Jesus has to say. Help us today to identify maybe if there's one of these areas that we've talked about and covered today that is hindering us or getting in the way of us accessing the Father or getting the good things, that he would bring those to mind. So I'm going to lead us in a bit of a prayer time, uh, and then we are going to head into a communion moment where we remember the goodness of God. So we take the bread and we take the juice, which represents his body, which was broken for us, and his blood, which was shed for us. And we come before him once again. And so let's pray and ask God for these things this morning. Jesus, uh, we come before you today. And we've read some of your teaching that you gave to your disciples 2,000 years ago regarding prayer. The vision you presented for us is this, Jesus, is a good heavenly father who gives good gifts to those who ask and seek and knock. Now, I imagine that in a room as diverse as this, is that many of us, some of us like absolutely believe that. We're like, yes, the Father is good and he cares for me and he'll give good things to me. But there's others in this room who maybe once believed that, but because of just a long list of unanswered prayers has perhaps given up or lost faith. Or there's some in this room who have never considered this reality, have never actually asked you, have never actually sought you. Wherever we find ourselves this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would meet us here. God, you would help our hearts to believe. You would help our hearts to trust. to know that God you are good that God you care that God you are here and I pray today as we hear this message we would not walk away discouraged God but rather encouraged encouraged once again to pursue you ask you for good things, the good things that you've promised us. And here's what I'm just asking on our behalf, God, is that as we as a congregation and we as a people come before you and ask for good things, like things that are intrinsically good and our motives are in the right place and our faith is in you alone, that God, you would be faithful to answer our prayers 
that God, we'd begin to hear more yes than no, (laughs) more yes than later, that God, you would come through. And when you don't come through, God, that we would trust you. We'd be a people who trust you and continually pursue you. Help us to believe this reality this morning, I pray, Jesus. I pray these things in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City Campus of CA Church.